You're listening to Bar Broads. Bar Broads is a podcast. Listening to this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and nothing on this podcast should be construed as legal advice. If you have questions about what's right for your situation, call an attorney. Welcome to Bar Broads. I'm Holly Bookshaw. And I'm Christina Stapleton. We're both attorneys in Northeast Tennessee practicing the areas of bankruptcy and social security disability. And this is Bar Broads. This episode is a short one where we take a sidebar with the broads and give you some tips on what not to do before filing for social security disability. Welcome to the bar. I don't have a clinker. So we're just going to jump right in here. One of the first things that I want to talk to clients about when they come to me and are discussing filing for disability is what to tell their doctor or not tell their doctor. And one of the things that is important for clients to remember is that they should not tell their doctor that they're fine when in fact they are not fine. So Christy, when someone asks you how you're doing, what do you say? Fine. (laughs) Right. But a lot of times you're just being polite, aren't you? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't want to burden them with, with the details of my horrible morning. Right. Yeah. You don't tell the cashier at the grocery store that you just feel terrible and all about how you stayed up all night, taking care of your kids and then stubbed your toe on the way to the shower. And you're so worn out and shattered glass on your shower door and bled all over your white bath mats. And this is a really specific example. And I'm not sure where it came from, but you really? don't do that. Was that your morning, Molly? <laughs> What happened to you this morning? It wasn't this morning. It may have happened some other morning, but you don't do that. You don't tell people all the things that happened that are not going the way you want them to in your life. You just tell them you're fine, but you don't want to do that at the doctor's office if you are in fact not fine. So what should people applying for disability say to their doctors? One of the things I always tell my clients is to tell the truth. And this is when you're talking to the judge or you're talking to your doctor or you're talking to your attorney. If you feel fine, then go for it. Tell your doctor that you feel fine. But if you don't feel fine, which you probably don't because you're at the doctor's office, tell the doctor that you don't feel fine. Tell them what hurts. Tell them that every time you stand up in the morning from sitting, it hurts your back. Tell them that your feet swell when you stand at the sink and wash the dishes or tell them that you're completely exhausted because you're in so much pain that you only get a couple of hours of sleep at night. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I think a lot of people get used to dealing with their disability. And so they may not notice that something's taking them longer or maybe even that it hurts. It's just become their norm. And so, you know, they don't think to talk about it. Um, But the point is tell your doctor the full truth. Don't be embarrassed about how you're feeling and, and, and all of that. And no making up stories though. You know, obviously we don't want you to go overboard and exaggerate. Um, Just be truthful. Right. Right. And if you tell your doctor, you're fine, two things can happen that are, that are not great. The first is that you may not get the medical attention that you need. And the second is that this could end up in your records. And the decision maker in your case could review the doctor's statement, but you have no complaints and they'll wonder why you're even applying for disability in the first place. So tell the truth and tell the doctor why you're seeking their help. 
or else you don't look like you have a disability and that de de defeats the whole purpose of, of anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> Our next do not do before filing for social security is don't wait to file. Don't you want to wait as long as possible to file? I mean, some people try to because they, they don't want to admit that they're disabled or they're not comfortable with seeking benefits from the government. But if you wait, it can take even longer to get your benefits awarded if they do get awarded. A long time. What? You know, there's always that one that comes in and says, you know, well, I know this person that started getting a, che a check a week after they applied for disability. Can you do that for me? Right. That guy that they're talking about is a complete unicorn. It's true that some people get awarded quickly, but that's really rare. Mm. So how long does it take for the rest of the people who apply that aren't unicorns? For a non-unicorn, it can take up to <laughs> two or three years before they get in front of a judge. So there's two multiple three years. Days two to three years. And that depends on where you are. So it depends on the geography region. It depends on, um, you know, whether or not something like COVID-19 has happened that could either cause delays or cause their whole system to speed up. You just don't know, but you've got to assume that you're going to have to wait two or three years. So you really shouldn't wait to file. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like if you're out of work, you need to go ahead and start the process now. Absolutely. Speaking of how long a case takes in different stages, people can get denied more than once, right? That's right. So that brings us to our next don't. Don't assume that a denial is the end of your disability case. Mm. Mm -hmm. There's multiple stages in the disability process. Um, so here in Northeast Tennessee, there is the initial application, then the request. And I know a lot of attorneys, um, don't like to meet with disability clients before they've at least put in that initial application. Right. Then the request for reconsideration after that, if you're denied, and then, and then the request for hearing. And that's the one everyone kind of thinks of where you're in front of the judge and then their decision. And then the appeals council decision, then a federal court appeal. Um, it just keeps going and going. It does. It does. And at each stage, the claimant can get approved or the more likely scenario is that they get denied. Wow. Uh, and then they can, can appeal each of the denials, though, right? Right. So that's one of the things that people have to be aware of. And that a lot of times when they come see us, they don't know. So they've, they've gotten a denial and maybe they've even given up on it and waited too long and can't appeal it anymore because they just thought that was the end. But we, we need to appeal those decisions so that we can get in front of a judge, which is where you've got your best chance at winning a disability case. So if you've applied for disability and you've received a denial, the first thing you need to do is call an attorney and discuss what your options are. And there's going to be different options depending on what stage the case is at. So our next one is kind of lengthy compared to the ones we've covered so far, but it's important and confusing. So our next don't is don't work or do. It's really complicated. It's really a don't and a do. And you, you need to talk to an attorney to know your best options about working when you're applying for disability. This one's a big one. Uh, and there's a lot of confusion with this one. Um, and the question is, can you work while applying for disability? Right. So can you? Yes, sort of. 
Should you? That depends. That's a complicated topic. It's going to require this lengthy ex explanation from us. Um, so it's possible to engage in work activity and still receive past due social security benefits from a period prior to winning the case. So, you know, in, in the regular person's mind, if you're filing for disability, that means you can't work, right? Yes, but Social Security has a different definition of work than the normal definition that we use. So how do, how do they define work? According to Social Security's rules, in order to be eligible for disability benefits, you have to be unable to engage in substantial gainful activity due to a disability that is expected to last a year or more or result in death. This is where Social Security's definition of work comes in. They don't really use that word. They don't really use the word work. Instead, they use the phrase substantial gainful activity, which is statutorily defined, which you and I deal with all the time. There's all kinds of words that, like we discussed in the bankruptcy jargon episode, there are words that we use as lay people that are used differently in a court of law. So substantial gainful activity that means that a person is engaged in earning a certain amount of money each month. And this amount changes annually. It depends on whether or not the claimant is a blind or a non-blind person. And this, this amount, this amount of S, uh, substantial gainful activity is actually tied to the national average wage index, which I'm not even going to try to explain, but, um, but it is a specific amount for each year. So what dollar figure is is the SGA or the substantial gainful activity at right now? So, um, and we do often use a shorthand for substantial gainful activity because that's a mouthful, right? So we usually say SGA. For 2021, SGA for a blind claimant is $2,190 per month. And for a non-blind claimant, that amount is $1,310 per month. In contrast, when I first started practicing 10 years ago, whoa, <laughs> time flies 10 years ago. SGA mm. for a blind claimant was $1,640. And for a non-blind claimant, SGA was $1,000. Um, so it has changed based on that, um, that wage index that we referenced before. So basically... <laughs> In 2021, for a non-blind claimant, if they're earning less than SGA, which remember is $1,310 a month, then they're not technically working for Social Security's purposes. What do you think that, so, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about the minimum wage being hiked. Um, if it does go up to, you know, a national standard of $15 an hour, I think is what they're proposing. What do you think that'll do to, would that affect the SGA? Just, like, I feel like do you think that'll affect you? I, I mean, I feel like yeah. it would have to, but I don't know for sure. So you can work, and if, if I'm hearing you correctly, you can make less than SGA. Um, and if you do, then you're free and clear. It's like you're not working at all, basically, as far as SSA is concerned, right? Sometimes, but not always. So for one thing, if you're applying for SSI, then your resources can affect the amount of your monthly check from SSI. Uh, and it also makes sense that the circumstances of your employment may impact the decision maker's opinion of whether you 
can truly work or not. Right. So if you're making really close to that SGA number, the person who's reviewing your case might question why you can't work a few more hours or just assume that you could work a few more hours a week. Or if you're working 25 or 30 hours per week, SSA could use that to show that you can work even if you aren't making SGA. That's tricky. Right. So what about when people say they can't survive without a paycheck while they're waiting for their disability case to go through? Well, and that's pretty frequent. I mean, that's really common um, for people to have that concern. Then we have to have a talk about whether or not their situation makes them disabled under SSA's definition. If they can work, they'll make more money than collecting disability benefits most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, for that reason, if I have a client who says they think they can work, then I, I usually encourage them to do that. If they can work, they'll make more money. And if they find after a few weeks they can't maintain it, Um, and they have to quit, then it could be helpful to their case to show that they can't, you know, maintain that employment. It could be an unsuccessful work attempt and and that won't affect their ability to get benefits. Um, Again, that is defined by the law and has a special meaning. And an important thing for people in that situation to know is that if you are missing work, if you're working and you're missing work, you need to be able to document why you're missing work. So If your health conditions require that you go to the doctor a certain number of days a week or days a month with things like transfusions or blood draws, then keep track of those um, visits and how many times you miss work because that paperwork can be submitted to social security to show that you're only able to work a certain number of days a month. Um, Same thing if, if you have to go out on FMLA, keep track of all that paperwork so that it can be submitted to social security. So make sure that you talk to an attorney if this is your situation, because they can help you identify more evidence for your case and help increase the chances that you'll be successful. So, oh my gosh, that was a really long do not do, but hopefully it was helpful to someone. All right, so our last do not do for social security is don't assume that you can't afford help. And this one's interesting because many people don't know that attorneys in different cases get paid different ways. Yes. For example, attorneys in a divorce usually require a retainer and bill hourly. Some attorneys who draft documents bill per document. And attorneys on certain cases like personal injury can charge a contingency fee that's one third of the settlement or award. So what about attorneys in disability cases? They also charge a contingency fee, but it's typically 25% of the past due benefits. There is a cap to that, but that's, that's generally how much it's going to cost. Do you find people complaining about the amount, uh, about, about that statutory amount? I do not. Yeah. Um, I, I often explain to people that if they, get a disability award, there may actually not be any past due benefits. And if there aren't any, then there aren't attorney's fees. And if there's a hundred dollars in past due benefits, that means that there are $25 in attorney's fees. Um, You know, so it, it can go up from there, but there are some cases where you can be successful and win and still not have any attorney's fees. And so my clients, I think typically understand that we're both taking a risk and we're taking it together. And mm-hmm. And everybody's on the same team. 
Well, that's right. Because, you know, if you don't do well, you don't get anything. So what would be the point of uh, <laughs> slouching on the case? Right, right. And not, not giving it your all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and the good thing about that is that, you know, these people who may not have an income do not have to, to bring that money up front to, to have an attorney start the case. And so um, there's only attorney's fees if you're successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the attorney's fees have been holding you back from pursuing a disability claim or contacting an attorney, don't let it stop you because you don't have to have any, just show up, just show Woo! up. Um, and also on that note, an attorney can help identify the right evidence for your case, help you avoid missing deadlines. They know the rules that help speed up your case in, in certain circumstances, and they really know how to highlight important aspects of your case and testimony to help persuade whoever's making a decision about your case. So if you don't have an attorney, you can be missing out from or on some of those benefits. Tips for the day. Tips for the day. Do not tell <laughs> your doctor that you are fine if you are, in fact, not fine. I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. This is not okay. Do not wait to file. Just go ahead and do it. Do not assume that a denial is the end of the world. There is something that you can do after a denial in most cases. Not always, but most of the time. Yeah. Um, Do not work or do, depending on your specific situation. That's right. Talk to an attorney to find out more about that. Yeah. Do not assume that you can't afford help from an attorney. Just go ahead and reach out to an attorney. Thank you for listening to Bar Broads and join us back at the bar next time when we discuss social security jargon, including such riveting words as claimant, SGA, and administrative law judge. I know. I know. It cannot get more exciting, but but just Yay! stay tuned. It will. So exciting. Call us if you have questions about filing for bankruptcy or social security disability. You can reach Christina at 423-732-7081 and Holly at 423-928-8321. Pictures, links, and sources referenced in our podcast can be found on our Facebook page at Barbrods Pod.